This podcast is brought to you by Shout Engine. In less than five minutes, you can start your own podcast for free with ShoutEngine.com. What's up, everybody? This is Jeff, your host for the Hooniverse Podcast. I think it's episode 122. I've stopped kind of paying attention. I'm in the ballpark, though. I don't know at this point. Yeah, that's the voice of the sounding sad producer, Chris Hayes. I'm not sad. I'm just, like, befuddled with episode numbers because there's too many podcasts. Yeah, what's TST up to now? I don't know. I just started giving them <laughs> dates. Right. because we, Things don't always go out necessarily in order of when we recorded them anymore. Just because NBC gets pissy about things that we talk about. You guys so. are so fucking fancy. Uh, joining us tonight is special guest Tony Angelo. Thank you for coming. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, for those of you who don't know Tony, he's a, he's a former or still professional drifter. Um, and he's also on uh, Hot Rod Garage and Roadkill. And uh, he's doing some awesome stuff there. And just a general lover of cars. Yeah, just a car guy. Um, we all were just hanging out at the Hoonigan Donut Garage open house. That was pretty sweet. Yeah, absolutely. I love I love the Hoonigan stuff. And Very well attended. That was a, yeah. I was <laughs> going to say that's a big turnout. The line for signatures at one point was like out the lot down the street. It was a little crazy. Well, yeah, the line I mean, even the line just to get into to their get little in, yeah. shop. They made like a little storefront to sell Hoonigan gear. Was like around the block, and I was blowing my mind. Yeah, it's crazy. Can you do me a favor? Just pull the mic up a little closer. Sure. And uh, yeah. Oh, there we go. How uh, you've you've known those guys for a while? Oh yeah, a really long time. I mean, I knew Brian back when he lived in New York, and I was living in New York and stuff. So, you know, maybe seven, eight years, something like that. When he was all about that skating hip hop life. And yeah, <laughs> I came in a little bit after that. <laughs> I right. think. Uh, yeah, they were. It was supposed to open to the public at four. I got there around 2.30 just because I was parking my truck there, and there were already people waiting to get in, so they opened up early. It was yeah, crazy. Yeah, they, they kind of put out a thing online, and they're like, you know, if you get here early, we're here. And right. then people just started flooding in. It's, yeah. It's pretty wild. It was, uh, it was pretty awesome. Lots of cool cars were showing up, too. Yeah, there was a lot of interesting stuff there that night. Um, I'm trying to think. Of All it. over the place, too. I liked, I really liked that, that E90 uh, wagon that was out front there with the wide body on yeah, it. Yeah, oh, that that's that Mickey Andre's car. Yeah. That car's red. That thing was yeah. sick. Yeah, that's the coolest part about Hoonigan is that I feel like in some way they're like total pure, car purists because – Every discipline of rad car is, is sort of represented. Like, you can go where else can you go to a parking lot that's going to be like pre runners and hot rods and mm -hmm. low riders and drift cars yep. and you know, like, you know, rat rods and well, anything yeah. you can think Within of? Within that 10 feet, there was Jeff's truck. There was a Bronco that looked like a freaking Saudi Baldwin's pre runner. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. looks like a freaking Saudi race truck. Awesome. And then across from that, there's the rat rod, the BMW, and then a Tony's Fiesta. truck. Yeah, my diesel truck was over yeah, there. Yeah, yep. your diesel truck up there, too. Farah had his uh, Fox body. So yeah. That car looks Although fantastic. that was gone by the time I got there. Oh, that's right. But that's yeah, right. then down the line is Scott's Nova and 911. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> He's yeah, holding perfect. it down at yeah, the front. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that Nova's just the shit. Yeah, I, had, I put some hands on that thing while yeah. it was getting built. Yeah, we, it's, it's a really cool car. Uh, what does he have under the hood? Just 350 work on? It's a on, 454. Oh. It's got a little work on it, but nothing wild. That's actually the motor that came in the car that he had, and we just spent like 70 days getting ready for Power, power tour. tour. So he did the full Art Morrison chassis with... You know, it's a oh, uni unibody yeah. car, so you got to weld it, weld in the back half, and do the cage, and 
It was a, a quite a bit of work, you but can't it came out right. Morse and stuff, though. Oh, he got hooked up there. That's yeah, yeah it's really cool. The underneath of that car, the chassis is fantastic now. Well, it's really cool, like the juxtaposition of really like nice high dollar gnarly suspension and frame stuff on that car. That yeah. is like, eh, it looks alright. It's kind of kind of ratty, kind of <laughs> whatever. So a lot of the Morrison stuff borrows like C6 Vet stuff. Is that does his chassis borrow that stuff? Like the, all the uprights and basically all four corners. I think that uh, the front end does. Yeah. The back end is a combination three link, four link. Okay. Which is pretty rare. Well, yeah, it makes sense for that car to be able to play. He's almost yeah. like doing like some like Koenigsegg rear suspension, like some triplex weird shit. Well, no, it's just uh, you can set it up either way. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. It's not like seven right. links or anything right, right. like that, no. <laughs> See, I'm, it, I, yeah. Chris is better at wrenching than I am. So, okay. Uh, <laughs> that's why I bought my truck is to learn how to wrench. Got it. So ideally, or theoretically, you would set it up for four link for stuff like drag racing or whatever, and then to go around turns, the three link gives you more articulation and stuff like that. Interesting. Yep. Very cool. Uh, so yeah, they, they kicked ass there. It was awesome. But moving on to what you're doing, uh, how did you join up with the hot rod people? Jeez, I don't know. Um, I came out for uh, the winter because I'm from Philadelphia, and I was uh, just didn't want to do the winters anymore. Yeah, it was, I don't blame you. We had like yeah. you know two winters ago was brutal, and they're like the next one's going to be worse. And right. One day I spent like uh, three hours trying to get in my shop. I had to like get a blowtorch and like torch the <laughs> lock. The lock was Done frozen, and like shovel my way to the door. And then, like, the door was frozen. And by the time I got in, it was, like, three hours later. And right. I was like, I'm going home. Right. I'm done with this. Fuck this. So I was like, all right, I'm, let's go to California, and I'll do stunt driving <laughs> stuff for the winter. <laughs> and um, you're, you're in Pennsylvania. Never mind the boys up in New Hampshire where yeah. I spent some time there. That is uh, it's a lot colder than Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's insanity. All of it. It's, mm-hmm. like, really tough. You just don't realize, like, pretty much your world shuts down for a few months, especially, like, you know, working in a shop. Trying to heat that thing up was impossible. So kind of just put it on hold, came out here to do uh, stunt driving, and... Just through friends of friends and stuff, I saw that um, Howard Garage was looking for a host because, you know, Finnegan wound up moving out to Georgia. Yep. yep. And um, uh, sort of, you know, I, I know Mark or I knew Mark Lenarden pretty well. Right. Hit him up. Uh, he recently passed in a yep. motorcycle accident, which is pretty rough. But um, he was a great dude and a good buddy of mine. I hit him up and I was like, hey, I understand you guys are looking for, for help over here. Like, you know, not a lot of people know, but I have a really big hot rod background. You know, it's a lot of the stuff I worked on as a kid, as a teenager. I, we lived in junkyard, just tearing mm-hmm. American cars apart and stuff. So I feel like I'd be a pretty good fit for this. And he wound up putting me through to a producer. And they had uh, looked at somebody else, and it didn't work out. It was, a, like, really perfect timing where I kind of was like, hey, I'd like to do this thing. Never really heard back. A month later, I was like, well, I haven't heard anything back from him. Like, maybe I'll just say what's up. Yeah. You know, and I hit up, I think, you know, everybody knows everybody. So I was like, who do I know that know these people? Yeah. Right. Figured out some connections and said, like, uh, you know, I'm still very interested if you have somebody. And they said, uh, well, last time we had somebody, now we don't. So, you know, it's if you want to come in, we can talk about it. I went in there and, um, you know, they were like, you have to pass a test with Freiberger. Oh, and I'm like, sure to he's go. a hardcore. Yeah, he's a maniac. That dude knows everything. Right. So well, uh, everything up until 1983 or so. Yeah, <laughs> which is a, that's a good time to know. Uh, so they were like, you have to pass like a test with him. He was like a little, you know, Yoda figure, and they were right. like, get in there and talk hot rods. And so I did, and I passed. And nice. And they couldn't like they all very clearly couldn't believe that it. You know, I oh, passed. they didn't think yeah, you, it was going like, to happen. Oh, yeah, like they brought me to the head of production. Like he passed that test, and they're like, what? Okay, so well, and you can yeah, talk then, to a camera. Yeah. All right, you're not a you're not a dope. And yeah, so. the, I was looking at videos on how to uh, set timing recently because that's an adventure. I just took on in my truck and one of the videos was for um what's the college he went to or he was do I found an old video of him at like 
West Tech or, or oh, yeah? something like talking. I was like, holy shit, it's Freiburger talking about set timing and not and very like so matter of fact to the camera, yeah. not all hot rod garage guy. It was, it was actually pretty funny, but incredibly helpful the video. Yeah. Um, so you guys have been doing some pretty cool shit, especially since Dodge has stepped up and being like, ah, here's some money and some cars. Yeah, well, you know, Roadkill's not really much. That's their show. Sure. Um, but they're definitely doing some very wild stuff, and I've been lucky enough to be a part of a few episodes lately, and it's been super fun. Well, there's been a lot of change-up over there lately. I mean, with, with Carlos leaving to go to Edmonds, and then, you know, Jason stepping in for his role, and then you coming in and taking over for Freiburg, uh, you know, hosting Hot Rod, because that was always kind of – the sense I got from early on was that was kind of an adjunct thing that they were initially just trying out, but then kind of grew into its own thing. Is that a pretty fair assessment? Or? I think the idea was that it would sort of supplement Roadkill. Yeah. Um, we're going to be building these cars in a garage somewhere. Let's make a show about it, I, I think, um, was the initial intention, and then – as Roadkill sort of exploded and became its own thing, that you know, Hara Garage and Roadkill sort of became separate entities. Yeah. And now that it, you know, I'm I'm doing Hara Garage, it's like an opportunity for me to take it and really make it my own. Oh, that's good. That that's that's actually really awesome to to help grow it into a new place. And one of the things you're working on right now, it's Roll Smoky, right? Yeah, that's uh. <laughs> So no one had ever done any diesel stuff on there, and not that I'm like a, an absolute diesel fanatic, but I've had some some experience building a couple of them. They've been very positive experiences. Um, I had an 06 um, Dodge 3500 that I used to tow my drift, you know, my 48-foot enclosed and stuff. And it was just a mind blower how capable how reliable smooth like, as silk what a road. workhorse i like, mean you, oh you get God. into the big diesel trucks doesn't matter which one of the three manufacturers yeah. they're all just monsters at this absolute point. you're buying like a, what 20 years ago you'd have had to buy like a commercial truck to right. do, and you can sure. do it now with something that comes off a dealer's lot is insane yeah i think one of the hd trucks from the factory now is doing 900 torque yeah i'm not surprised i know the last year or the year before one of the dodges like a short bed dually they rated it at thirty thousand pounds towing which is <laughs> yeah, that's so awesome what is what does a trailer weigh with race shit in it um oh loaded up yeah. about uh really packed in about sixteen thousand pounds oh god so this not not a problem oh not for those things no that's my truck was awesome. it would kill it and the dodges above the other are my favorite because there's so much sort of um, absolute brutal economy worked in. Like my, so I have a, I had a extended cab, you know, long bed, 06 manual dually diesel. It would Only get like, one you can get with a manual. Yeah, um, it would get like 21 miles in a gallon, like on the highway, <laughs> That's unloaded, crazy. which was insane. I would yeah. tow my trailer and get like 12 and a half miles in a gallon. Were, were they? What was it like to drive with no trailer? Was it kind of brutal back there? Oh uh, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously the back end gets a bit unloaded. If you do stuff like soften the rear end and then just get the, you know, when you do tow, put some airbags in and right. them up. You can there's stuff like that, but I didn't. Do, I just had add, I had extra leaves in the back, but and that wasn't your daily anyway, so it wasn't a big deal, right? Yeah, not really. Uh, so what what's the deal with the oh truck? yeah? So exactly. So then, um, I did that. I did a body swap '78 Ford onto a '95 Dodge Cummins manual recently. And it came out amazing. I mean, it's cool because it's, you know, we grafted all of the Ford stuff to sort of, um, we did, like, inside the Ford is 100% vintage Ford. The steering wheel is all the old Ford one, the gauges, the pedals, everything, you know. So that all looks vintage Ford, and you get in it, and it's a modern truck. It's a truck from the 90s. It's got a super stiff frame. It You know, it, it's, it handles well. It stops. It's red. So we talked about doing that. I had this truck that uh, Freiberger had originally bought, um, and he was talking about yanking the motor out to put in the General Mayhem. If you watch the early road kills, you'll right. see it for like a second. 
And it's a nice. It's a '73 Dodge D200. It's clean. It was. It's super cool looking. And yeah. It's tough. And everybody always has Chevys and Fords, so seeing yeah. a, a D series truck is awesome. Yeah, and I just love the lines. It's it's super tough looking. So, um, what I wanted to do was put a Cummins in it. It has a big. It had a big block in it, a 400 with an imbalance problem. Haven't figured that out yet. Just yanked it out <laughs> and uh, bought a donor. Yeah. So this is the last two episodes of Hard Garage that came out. We got a '95 a Auto Dodge Ram 2500 with a Cummins. Pulled all the stuff we want out of it, kind of threw the truck away, and then did over the first episode, it was tearing the old 400 out and, like, fabric, how to fabricate mounts and, and coming through, like, measuring everything, getting it all set in place. And the second episode is sort of getting it running. And what's really cool and what we wanted to showcase is that, like, we added a couple of parts. We put a turbo, an exhaust manifold, um, delivery valves and injectors in it. And double the horsepower and torque on it, which is you <laughs> know awesome. not not a lot of engines can can do that kind of stuff. And the thing I like though is that you guys showed people doing it not the shitty way where you would have just notched the frame and left it open. You guys welded it up. You did everything properly because we of course run into these swaps all the time where it's just like yeah we notched the frame and then we didn't put anything back. Yeah, in there's there. there's a reason that's a square at some point. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Uh, where, where does your background come from? Where, like, how did you learn all this shit? Growing up, I don't. Um, let's like you see. didn't go to school for this, right? No, just tinkering as a kid. And yeah, I just sort of was like a, a real lunatic for cars since I was like a total, like a little kid. If you'd asked me what I want to do when I was, if I was like six, I would have said I want to be a race car driver. That would have been probably it. Mm-hmm. So um, my dad grew up uh, wanting a '68 Camaro. My mom wanted to buy him one for his 40th birthday. So my parents are really young. So his 40th birthday, I was like 13. So. Um, she was like, you're going to learn about these old Camaros, and we're going to buy your dad one. So I learned about old muscle cars, and I was like, oh, these are red. Like, I should get one of these when I turn 16. Um, really, we went and looked at a million different cars. He wound up actually not getting one. We couldn't find exactly what we wanted. But uh, I was so hooked. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's on. Yeah. Like, this is – I was like, what do I have to do? And they were like, we'll save some money, and we'll, we'll split it with you. I worked at a tire shop when I was 14, you know, 40 hours a week every summer. Yep for a couple of years just saving up money and as i got more money in the bank i would get, i would look at cooler and cooler cars so <laughs> yeah. um you know my dad when i we would go on these trips like i'd find i, I, I looked at some stuff that was pretty you know, I looked at like a 69 chevelle with a 396 i looked at like a cutlass that was a total disaster but i still think those are cool oh yeah we looked at a 69 gto judge that needed like full resto yeah. but now it would be worth a pretty penny uh, and then it finally settled on my dad is like a real stickler he was like I, I, he was waiting to me it felt like he just didn't want to get anything i was like let's buy you know i'm impulsive i'm 15 and a half and i'm ready to go and i'm like yep. let's buy one of these cars like it doesn't matter they're all red like the chevelle i remember being like let's buy the chevelle it's so cool and of course you're shopping in pennsylvania too yeah it's hard to find stuff that's not eaten apart absolutely so how old are, how old are you now 36 all right so you probably saw the chevelle from days confused like i did and oh like, yeah oh, fuck yeah <laughs> forget it needs the best yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's that like <laughs> like when we built the seventy Chevelle. I mean, like that's like one of my first episodes. We did that that episode arc. I was like, this car is the best. Like, oh my god! <laughs> yeah. And I, like, I wanted to really get into it. You know, we try to keep it pretty technical. But I'm like, do you understand? Like the, the history. Like this car is one of the most iconic cars. Period. Already. And I, it's it, you're probably you're probably dealing with like some California kids 
on the show who've yeah. grown up with muscle cars around them all the time. A lot of people don't understand, unless they're from the East Coast, you don't see this shit. Oh, out here yeah. you see it at Starbucks. You'll see 10 of them parked out all there. All that stuff's evaporated by the time it's 10 years old. Though. Yeah, it's seeing, yeah. Seeing a car like that on the East Coast just blows your mind. Absolutely. I totally get that. Like I, I had the, the young dad, too. I'm 35. He's 55. So, yeah. you know, we're right there. But he was in a car guy. I played fucking basketball thanks yeah. to my dad. I'm not... Sorry, no offense, Dad, but or basketball, right? Yeah, uh, but so I get the, the the young dad thing and the growing up. So, what did you guys wind up? So finally, I was like, I think it was almost Thanksgiving or something, and I had run him sort of ragged, and I was like, I found this '71 Dodge Demon in the paper, you know, back when you looked in an actual right. newspaper for stuff. Um, and he was like, just go look at it with your friends, and like, <laughs> if it's red, like you know, let me know. Yeah. And I would, I come across it, and I'd been looking at cars that were like, you know five out of ten like mm-hmm. it, they run okay they're like ugly none of them were like the gnarly like it wasn't a right. 442 at least one panel was primer yeah like they needed yeah. work they needed help they all they needed were something. east coast cars yeah exactly and they, you know they were cheap because i didn't have any money i'd save up like a few thousand bucks and um i think you're the one guy in our age group that i know didn't go to buy a fox body as his first car yeah i know a lot of those yeah i know a lot of guys with fox bodies first car for sure in fact one of my best friends that we used to work on cars together, he had a bunch of those early Fox bodies. Half of my friends when we were like 18 had Fox bodies. Yeah. So we're – I remember he was like, just go look at it. Like I don't have a minute to do it. And I went out and I'm driving down this main main street in my town uh, and I see it parked outside and I'm like, I can't believe this <laughs> no is the way. car. I was like, no, no fucking way. It's this – I was like, we're done. Like I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Because it was super clean. You're like expecting to roll up and be like, no engine. Yeah. So it's like, I, you know, that's the car I bought. It's my first car. It's a 1971 Dodge Demon 340. Oh, a good start. Mm-hmm. Four-speed car, bright green, hood scoops, loud, you know, obnoxious, oh, cool rowdy. This is not super common either. Yeah, no. It's no, nobody has a pretty Deans. rare car. Yeah. Yeah, everybody had dusters. Right. Um, the Demon is super rare. And I, I don't know. It's, it's weird because as a kid, I always feel like I was a little doing something a little bit different than everybody else because... The kids that had old cars in my high school had like '68 Firebirds, and they had old Mustangs. And Mustangs, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I always yeah. like I like the Buicks, I like the Rivieras, and then GSXs. Those GSXs are, are super rad. Yeah. My first car was an '87 Honda Prelude. Uh, not quite as cool, but I guess I mean in 1998 that was. It's probably pretty cool. Pimping, yeah. yeah. Uh, mine wasn't much better. I had a Nissan hard body pickup that had a transmission code. My out, second so. car though was an '85 Z, so I there you go improved a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but so you still have this car today i do that and you've had it the whole time yeah more or less it was parked in my parents garage for like 17 years um wow you managed to get your parents to keep that car in their garage yeah. for 17 well years. when i went to college uh the heads came off of it and state my you know my dad was like i'm gonna get it all back together and he was like maybe we should sell this thing maybe we should whatever and i knew that if i didn't help put it back together it, it would never, never get sold help. but so when you, when I you never first helped put it back together when you first bought it it was drivable and you were yeah, cruising, Yeah, when I first right? bought it, um, I didn't even have my license yet. I snuck it out a couple times when they were gone on the street, and it was a ripper. I mean, it's it's like a three, you know, a 344-speed car already is pretty quick, and it had, like, headers and, a, you know, a holly on it and a better Minor, cam. Nice and, like, it's 30 over with yeah. a little bit of compression. It, it's like a low 12, you know, a low 13-second, maybe high 12-second. That's a lot of car. A lot of car for a, car for a kid, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, when that's I brought that's it home, a lot of car for a lot of thirty-year-olds. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. I mean, it blew my mind. You're like, oh, I'm sneaking it out. My parents never know. And they just blah, 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 yeah. blah. Well, they, I made sure they were gone. But yeah, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah like out of town. Um, but yeah, it's a. Uh, it was a pretty rad car. I remember being like, I the first time I pulled it out, I immediately just railed on it. Sure. And I I thought I was gonna die. It was, it was the best. Smiling the whole yeah, time. Yeah, I was like, this is great. That's fantastic. Now, what's the plan for the car now? Okay, well. What you know, can you this say? Is, this is real life. Um, and I think um, the, the idea um, was to take it and make it into a car that I'd want today, which means um, revive it. You know, the engine hasn't really run in 17 years or so. I got it fired up for a minute last year, um, just put the new heads on it, dropped it back in, built, rebuilt the car, and, and got it fired up. I didn't like put a radiator in it or anything. You know, never really got serious with it. Brought it out here and decided, like, you know, it would be really cool to show people – what it takes to bring a car back from the dead. And I'm talking, like, not just a car like me, where I luckily had it's sort of dry stored. You know, the carbs got destroyed and stuff like that, but I'm talking about, like, a car you drag out of somebody's backyard has been sitting forever and really show you, like, step-by-step step what it takes to get that car running to a point where, like, you can hopefully drive it. So that's that's our first episode. It's, like, it's, it's how to revive a car that's been sitting forever, and that's stuff people really want to know because, Absolutely. you know, whether you have a... I feel like people have this propensity to... The longer it takes, the longer uh, a product of theirs has been sitting, the longer it's going to sit. Sure. Oh, I haven't touched this thing in like a year. Yeah. Oh, now mm-hmm. i got to do all this other stuff. I don't really know what it takes. And then it becomes two years. And now it's been three years. And like, oh, I don't even, you know, and then you wind up just getting rid of it. So we kind of come by, it's like how to of like what it takes to get that thing back to life. Well, and I think there's, a, it's, there's some misconceptions about what it takes. I mean, even if a car is in perfect shape and it's been sitting stored well, yeah. even then there's a lot you got to do. Because I had a buddy that just, you know, just a couple of weeks ago almost bought an 84G body that had 3,000 miles on it. Yeah. And it had been sitting for the better part of 30 years. And he's like, oh, I should be able to just drive it home. And I'm like, don't. No, don't no, put it on no, a truck. No, of course not. Don't drive it. You're going to ruin it driving it home. Yeah, it, that's the thing is like, people think mileage and stuff like that is what kills it and it really time kills cars as much as, as as mileage does just because nothing's made to sit there you know there are all these different chambers that hold fluid and there's rubber seals everywhere and there, you know gas deteriorates in such a way that it like really can hurt some stuff sure. um, corrosive so there's a lot of stuff you have to think about and the other thing is that if it has sit for a long time and you just go to crank it it's like a time bomb you're oh, about yeah. to bu- you yep. know cram a bunch of crap into like the engine or the car you know it, it's you really should just sort of run through this checklist that we lay out, and then at least you know you've got a pretty good shot of, of everything working out. Now, when you get this car moving, for, and isn't it nice to be able to bring your car in? As oh, a it's, a, it's such a <laughs> well because you know thing. there's there's people line up like, hey, so uh, you might need new carbs for that, or oh, do you want some headers? Yeah, that's going to be fun. Uh, which I mean, personally, with my truck, I've had a few people say, oh, let's help you out here and here, and it's one of the best parts of this job. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, the good thing is that I like is I used to work right across the street from the offices that you guys are at now with the garage and everything, and I remember looking in there like every day and just going, those bays are completely unused. If only I had the use of them. Yeah. And now you guys probably haven't filled the majority of the time, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, between Roadkill and Howard Garage, we're, there's cars jammed in there, and we're you know hustling. Yeah, I mean, the first two years that we were in that building – Garage went almost unused other than for photo shoots. Yeah, I understand that um, really Hava Garage was the beginning of like really mm-hmm. getting down in there, which is cool. And the, the garage is so rad. The space is. Yeah. It's I mean, it has wild. a bar in it. Yeah, it has it's a bar. It's fucking awesome. It has a bar and a big screen. Right. And stuff it's, like that. it's pretty cool. Clean. The floors are painted. Everything's nice. Yeah, the floors are clean. And like. Is that Freiburger's domain? Does he kind of like rule that land? Um, it's We have a shop manager that's oh. sort of like really. Stickler? Um, he's a stickler. In a good way, though. In a good way. Well, 
if you want to make sure all you know yeah. everything's going to be back in the right place and he know that he's if there's not a right place for something he's going to come up with the right place for it and then tell you where it is <laughs> uh he's that kind of guy if you know i i don't i he's better than you know better than i am at stuff like that for sure so right. it's good to have him around uh now before all of this started you were on the east coast you were one of the early guys into drifting yeah, totally. Early. You, I mean, you ran the first season of Formula Drift, right? Like yeah. 2004, 2004 or something like that. You started Drift Alliance. Yep. Um, how did you get into that scene? Just English Town and, and it went from there? Jeez. All right. Um, so let's see. I'm like 19 and I've been all over the car map already. I like got, in, you know, I was in the hot rods forever. And I got, I'd worked at a, like a Porsche 944 shop for um, like a summer or two. Excuse me. And um, like literally sweeping the floors and doing whatever I could sure. to like let them let me hang out there. Um, and I was like, okay, turbo cars are amazing. I got an autocross like a nine four four turbo a couple times, and I was like, okay, so I need to buy a turbo car immediately because <laughs> they were so rad. And then I wound up. Um, my buddy had a super turbo at that time, like a you know a Mark three, and we put a full exhaust on it, and it picked up like sixty horsepower. And I was like, well, that's clearly I need to buy something like this. So the first thing I could find that I could afford that was like cool. Uh, rear-wheel drive turbo car was a, my first RX-7. I bought like an 87 Turbo 2 with a full exhaust and some an intake and some, and, you know, power, an F-Con or something. And luckily when we were that young, gas was still cheap. Yeah. yeah and gas those was cars cheap. probably weren't destroyed yet. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty good. It was only, you know, at the time it was, what, 12 years old. So it was in pretty, pretty good shape still. So I got that. And I was sort of notorious in my town a little bit <laughs> um, for raising hell with my car. And I worked in a restaurant throwing burgers at people in this little town that like this little tourist town by my house and Eric Forsberg um, and I became buddies. He had a turbo eclipse. Chris is older brother. And then me and Chris became like, you know, best buds. Um, and I had a turbo two. And of course, by the end of that first summer, I'd wrapped it on a telephone pole pretty hard. <laughs> um, and so it had a bunch of hot rod parts on it. Chris bought the parts off me. I helped him with his. He bought a turbo two. I helped him with his car. Then I bought another one, swapped the stuff around. So we had these RX-7 turbos. And at the time, like, nobody was really messing around with those cars outside of, like, you know, people drag racing them in New York and stuff. Sure. Well, especially on the East Coast. I mean, stuff was happening out here with those import turbos, but nothing on the East Coast. Yeah, especially rotaries. We just didn't know where to yeah. turn and, and how to get, you know, ideas for them. So we started getting, like, Japanese magazines and, and, and videos and stuff. Chris's dad was working overseas. So you see the car sideways and all that. Yeah, photos. we're like, oh, boy. And we saw some option videos. And we saw some, one of my buddies was, like, real in the anime. He showed us Initial D and stuff. Oh, yeah. So we were like, yeah, let's. Uh, this looks reckless and super fun. <laughs> right. we, should, we should make drift cars. Uh, so that's what we did. We just sort of turned our cars into, like, more or less drift cars, not really knowing how to set them up and stuff. Right. And um, met my buddy Matt Petty at a barbecue. And at the time... So we were like BMX kids and like rollerbladers and skateboarders and whatever. Um, and at the time, everything in the in the import scene was very much like rave pants and DJs and mm-hmm. lowrider, you know, Hondas Frosted sitting on. Yeah, it was, yeah. At the, yeah, especially early, then. early, yeah, fast, yeah, and yeah exactly, shit. super early. And so I met my we we went to a, a barbecue, a car meet or something, and I see this kid, Matt Petty, who's covered in tattoos, and he's. He's got a Miata or something, and he, he was wearing like a top secret, uh, like a top secret jacket that he got in Japan the year awesome. before. And I was like, "This kid rules!" Awesome. <laughs> and I was like, "Yo, we should do some drift stuff." And he was like, "Absolutely." We we fell on being like best friends yeah. immediately, and he was like, "One hundred percent." And um, we put some stuff together, and really, we're just dumbass kids at this point, you know. Uh, and we went to the owner of Englishtown, New Jersey, and we said, "Hey." 
we showed him an option video and we're like, uh, we want to do that here. Because it was just a general straight-laced racing circuit, right? Well, English Town was really known for their drag strip throughout the 60s. Oh, okay. They did some really... Hell, really... they're still known about the drag strip town. Yeah, it's I, mean, it's, it's a, I mean, it's a historic place. It's yeah. like 330 acres. They have a, a, a like a boat drag strip and they oh, have their road course. Everybody they have I know has always pulled their best time in E-Town. Yeah, E-Town's rad. And... Um, the dude that we talked to, that we spoke with, who took our meeting, and again, what a what a guy. Uh, his name is Mike Knapp, and he uh, he had just sort of inherited control. His dad had passed away uh, of of the whole raceway, and you know, really, we expected to get like laughed at sure. or uh, at least told to leave, and we'll we'll call you later, kind right. of thing. And he watched the video, which was like some dumb option video, and. <laughs> He was like, yeah, let's do it. He was like, what do you want to do this year? You want to do 10 events? And we were, we were like, yes. Yes, we do. Uh, and he goes, yeah, let's do like 10 events. In the and he, we thought we'd have to come in with insurance and all these right. plans and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, here's what's going to happen. You guys run tech. You guys promote the stuff. I'll give you X amount of dollars from the gate. Wow. And we'll, we'll do 10 events this year. And we so like, much more than you. Like, we were like, oh, my God. <laughs> the idea that we were going to. Did gonna, he, like, walk out? Did we just scam him? Yeah, or well, did he I was scam like, us? Like, nothing, what happened? There's a few times in my life I've met, like, just really straight up dudes that just get, like, you know, that he, just they're like. Yep, he saw I'm the in. opportunity, basically. Right? Yeah. And to me, like, looking, I thought he was going to go, like, this is ridiculous. Because no one on the East Coast was doing any drifting, really, at that point, besides, like, one no, or two events. but, I mean, events. E-Town was probably sitting unused for at least four nights a week at that point, right? Yeah, he's a smart guy. I mean, yeah. they, we we ran parking lot events for the first five years, I think. Yeah, because I used to hang out down at Moroso, which I'm sure you've probably been down there. Mm -hmm. And you know, there was a lot of talk and stuff like that back then, but nothing ever happened with yeah. it, just because you know insurance would get involved, and you know, track owners weren't that flexible. And then, and I mean, back then it. it was probably considered us oh, a fad. The shit will pass. Yeah, well, that's what I couldn't believe is he was like, just do it. You know, you think you guys you have guys that would come out? Let's let's figure it out. So we went out, and I forget how we even started because obviously, like. We got online, we like made a forum, yada, 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 and we promoted it as best we could. We did some like car shops. We made a bunch of flyers, put them in different car shops throughout the area. And the first event was in 2003. And uh, we had, I think, like 60 cars. Like a, we had a ton of cars come out. More than we ever, it was raining and like a ton of kids came out. Um, and the first year, like it was crazy. By the end of the first year, that's when like Signal Auto came out and like drove a demo and. It was insanity. It was Formula like, Drift was uh, just a year after that, right? Yeah, it was very. It was a crazy time because we went from like being dumbass kids who thought we were street drifters to like getting some time on a track and like really sort of teaching each other how to drive for right. the first year. It's when JR came down. It's when Turk came down. Um, you know, we'd all kind of meet at E Town. Um, there was a bunch of other kids that were staying out the first year too. And we just sort of like went after it and had it was legitimately just for fun. It was sure. just a bunch of dudes partying way too hard after the events. Sure, we were. Well, really isn't there isn't there a dive bar at E Town? There is now. Yeah, they <laughs> they decided it'd be easier just to build us a bar there than like have us try to find <laughs> one the, afterwards. The only reason I know that and now we're fast forwarding a little bit into the future is from the Jalopnik story. Yeah, where you let Raf crash Drive, your car. Yeah, crash my oh, FRS. Was, yeah. Raf's driving your car. Uh, <laughs> and it it sounds like the way and and Raf is a really good guy. I, like, yeah. I love Raph a lot. You can say, and I'm sure you like him too, you can say whatever you want about him here, and we won't get upset. Oh, no, he's great. Uh, it sounds like the way the article's written, you knew shit was about to go wrong just letting him in your car. Yeah, well, Maybe I, not to the degree. I think the idea that I had to put anyone besides a dude in, who drives an FD, I did, the cars are mind blowers. They're unbelievable. They're the fastest cars that race with, and that, with what, doors anywhere. That one anywhere. has like 700 horse or something? It makes like, this makes like 775 the tires. It Which now... Like, is low a little it'd be on the lower side it's still for a car that much it weighs okay um it also makes like 740 torque 
and it makes a, it has a huge power band for a four cylinder. It's pretty amazing. Okay, but uh, it'd be a little bit low. Then I, the idea was just to go like. It's not that I, I, I set him up to fail, but no one's going to drive that car. It wasn't wet. a good yeah. day. It wasn't a good day. It was a little wet. Um, and realistically, like, those cars are absolute wild animals. You and probably were hoping the first few laps, because he had about an hour. Yes. Oh, I did. I said, like, easy take to it. Easy. it. Yeah, take it easy, man. And he really <laughs> went for it immediately. And I was like, you do, like, it's a lot of car. It's right. a whole lot mm-hmm. of car. The point I wanted to show him is, like, you know, really unbeknownst to people, the cars haven't looked much different for, like, the last five years. But they have become brutally fast, right? Like wild grip machines making unbelievable horsepower. And what was the deal with the diff in that car? Like you have to be on the gas or on the brakes. There's no in between. Yeah, most pro cars are set up um, basically that you should be just constant input. They don't float. They don't skate. It's either I'm on the gas and I'm laying down tire smoke, or I'm on the brakes slowing down. So, so they I just get so, squirrely when you're so not I can on get it? on the gas and lay on tires. Yeah, it's it's basically yeah. full grip. You know, as much grip as you can get into the car. And then you just power through it on the throttle, so it's not a, it's not a kind of car where you toss it out and you kind of skate, you know, surf it. <laughs> it's not like a two forty. Yeah, it's not a two forty, yeah. and even an FD, you know, a Formula D two forty is not a two forty. Like they're right. right grip machines. So yeah, I, I knew I tried to explain that to him, but I said, you know, feel it out. It, it's a it's a sharp learning curve, um, but there's not a ton of time to screw up because, like I said, it doesn't really skate around. You're, it's got a lot of grip. It's got a high initial grip threshold. You're going to have to throw it out sideways pretty violently, um, and then you're going to have to stay on the throttle or it's, going to, so or it's going to grip up. Does the drivetrain come off feeling a lot like a drag car to where it's just boom, power instantly? The, my, yeah, my yeah. car makes power everywhere. Okay. It's and, crazy. Uh, do a lot of these guys run these NASCAR gearboxes and these things? Yeah, just about everybody. Just because um, per- perfect power, perfect. Well, actually, we start to beat them up pretty bad. But, um, yeah, we use, like, a lot of people use the G-Force, GSRs. They're, they're four-speed dog boxes. Mine came out of a car. It would be, like, exactly what you'd run at, like, a Sonoma in a NASCAR. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a four-speed dog box just because I don't like sequentials. You can get lost between gears and... It's tough sometimes to realize exactly what gear you're in. Are people running sequentials on? Some people do. Huh. Um, they also don't seem to hold as much power. Um, the dog boxes are where it's at. It's I mean, yeah, so four, hard. four speed, compact, yeah. built for NASCAR. Mine's a magnesium and case. A lot of, it doesn't I mean, weigh anything. And there's it's a lot awesome. of gearboxes out there that will hold 600, 700 horsepower, but not 700 pound-feet of torque. Yeah, it's about the torque, and it's about, well... For so many years, everyone's like, oh, you could use this, it'll work. You're drifting. There's no grip involved, and you have to explain, like... Which is the total opposite. It's, we're absolutely making grip. as much grip as humanly possible, and then sometimes I kick the clutch super hard. Right. You know, in the middle, you know, maybe the wheels will go from... The car's going 60, the wheels will go from 100 to zero, back to 100 in about a second. So, That's like, crazy. there's a quite a bit of force yeah. everywhere in the drivetrain. So, tire-wise, I mean, are you guys running special compounds for drift now, or are you guys using basically... Just track tires or drag radials or what kind of tires do you guys run that? Uh, well, you know, as dictated by FD rules and stuff, any competition is, is going to be just be like a super high-performance uh, street radio. Okay. Really? Mm-hmm. So that's so, why you guys rip through them in two two runs. They're toast. Two so runs, like an yeah. RA1 or an 888 or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Okay. Um, you know, the... Uh, what uh, the RS3s? Yep. Hankook RS3s are really good. Um, Achilles is the one, two, three that they have. Same kind of stuff. Now, are you? Do you consider yourself? Um, are you going to get back out there in FD? Is I would. The goal? I mean, I would like to. Um, my, I, I know racing is a, a very expensive game. It is a very expensive game. Um, I just felt like I couldn't get into a competitive car, and it just got really frustrating not be able to sort of display my skills. Um, and it was sort of a downward spiral, and I wanted to be in a position to like 
drive and have fun and sure. have more time with my family and stuff like that. It was just became like wholly enveloping and even as much I put in as much time and effort as I humanly could and we just couldn't get there with the resources we had. Right. So I would love to, you know, if I could come in and drive a car somebody else's building, I would be thrilled to do it. Now, and you got to be, I mean, it's also going to be a little bit of um you see what some of your friends from back in the day are doing right now and you got to be eager to just see what they're like Forsberg, yeah. champion, Turk getting some podiums uh, yeah. so the guys are kicking some ass yeah everyone's killing it so it's 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 uh i mean the drift alliance as a whole is, is doing well so you, i could see where you'd be like i would like a piece of this a little bit oh of course but you can't I mean, do it if you don't have the car that's absolutely the truth and you know say what you will you got to have a car i mean talent gets you so far and, and and having a car and then being able to have the time to focus on driving it and testing it and stuff it's that's everything. You, you used to run a, a just I, I'm assuming a missile or a fun car SC three hundred. Yeah. Do you still have that? I don't. I sold it before we we came out here. Um, but yeah, that was a really cool car. It'd be Did fun you? to convince Lexus to get into drifting. Yeah, on some maybe, level, it's maybe a little bit off brand. Maybe that's but, the next life for the million mile Lexus. Mm. That that's aggressive. Yeah, yeah. Once it hits a million, that's ah, aggressive. well. It's, race cars. I mean, everything gets stripped anyway. Um, now I want to. I mean, we could. Sp- sit here all fucking night and talk cars uh especially because we have some similar interest with the muscle car stuff but i want i gotta dive into chris uh your fiesta chris has a fiesta st the black one outside your suspension's done right everything is done on it the only thing the only thing i should say i'm waiting on adjustable end links but everything else is done i got the i got the coilovers in last week took it over to west end alignment uh i had darren over there get everything tweaked out that guy's a trip he does not use any lasers, nothing. He got in, eyeballs the thing, he goes negative 1.8, 0.8 on the other side. What? He goes and then he measures it, dead fucking on. He is he is the rain man of alignment. That's awesome. Um, he, you know, he's like, look, it's 110 degrees in the shop. You can come and sit in the car and we'll dial it in perfectly or you can wait in the waiting room. And I'm like, fuck it, let's do it right. So we got in there, dialed it in. Zero, you know, zero toe, negative two on the fronts, and of course, there's no adjustability in the rear because it's solid rear. Mm-hmm. And Jesus Christ, with the coilovers, that thing's got so much lateral grip for a car with two hundred fives on it. It is absolutely ridiculous. Those it, are rad little cars. So. It is way, way better than it needs to be. Uh, and I may or may not have completely embarrassed an M5 yesterday with that car. <laughs> so. I'm very happy with what it is, considering the money that's into that, which is very little. Awesome, awesome. Now, I should talk about this uh, quickly. Uh, the other day, I got to drive a car called the Resvani Beast. <laughs> um, it's basically a new company in Orange County that is making a coach-built car. Mm-hmm. They start with an aerial Atom, make it a little bit wider, a little bit, uh, yeah, mostly a little bit wider. The body, they add a body to it. Oh, I've seen that, yeah. Yeah, it looks kind of like a Lamborghini-ish thing. The first customer is Chris Brown. <laughs> um, I drove the second car. I've never driven an Atom before. Um, that's pretty fucking awesome. I mean, it's the most fun you'll have with 300 horsepower. Yeah, those, I mean, when you talk about how light and tiny 16, those things are. 1,650 pounds, yeah. dry weight. That's amazing. Uh, so with me, it probably pushes And you 2, said 000. they're going to be putting a lot more power in it? So they made a 500 horsepower one, which is the one I think Chris Brown got. They're making a 700 horsepower one, which would be f- like too much. Almost. Yeah, that's a- uh, But they, the, the steering wheel is carbon fiber. It weighs nothing, which was kind of cool. Um, they added uh, Apple CarPlay in the middle, so you have it's like a luxury atom. That's interesting. Uh, there's no doors; you climb over, and but the the body, the lower uh, sill, is strong enough that you could step on it to get into the car, which is kind of interesting. All the body panels are carbon fiber. Um, 
they they add about 400 pounds over the atom which is still nothing yeah super late no power steering which is awesome uh no power brakes which is i'm used to that for my truck uh the gearbox is fantastic the noise the induction noise from the honda k24 motor behind your head with the road trek supercharger i was singing along to it it puts it sounded so good the car and for the price it's not terrible for what you're getting it's about between 139 and 159 i find it interesting that they've got the honda motors in there because the atoms were originally they stopped Oh, so because the atoms I were getting the Ecotex before. They were getting them, and they stopped because I guess like either – because it was – when Bramo was doing it, they were getting them, but then Bramo doesn't do it anymore, and they went back to the Honda motors because okay. UK loves Honda anyway, so it makes sense they stick with the K24s, and it's a good motor. Um, the car is fucking rad. The video will be out. I think the embargo lifts on the 20th. I can't talk about how it felt to drive, even though I just kind of said it was awesome. Like just pretty good? Fast. No, you don't tell <laughs> yeah. me. It's pretty Ter- good. Terrible. Good. Uh, One of the two. I can say this. There are some fit and finish issues with the panels, mm-hmm. but they're minor. And for the company making their second car, it was pretty good. Um, and they have plans for a lot more. And it, it's cool to see someone doing coach-built cars because that's an art that kind of went away. Yeah, definitely. Um, and to use a platform. And they, they want to use other platforms too, which is pretty sweet. They're going to make a coupe version. They want to make like a military-style something off-roady version which i don't know what sounds like a gonna use. be awesome to use the nomad um so that was pretty cool um i just gave back the chevy ss I, i'm kind of bummed about it i the the last one i drove was the automatic before the magnetic ride and it was a burnout machine it was awesome i loved it this new one has the manual and the magnetic ride so it should be even more awesome well it's a holden it should be awesome they yeah. added electronic power steering and it just killed I'm, not, it. I'm not a big fan well, of electric power you power feel steering. nothing yeah, I don't think anyone's really gotten it quite right yet. I will argue with that. There are a few Porsche and Fiesta Porsche two cars it. that I okay. that I actually really like. Those the are two Porsche cars has. I have not driven. The right. Porsches is fucking amazing. Actually, yeah. the Stingray is pretty good too. And you can like let go of the wheel if yeah. you're on the throttle, and it will go where it's supposed to, yes, and stuff it will. like that. Yeah, Porsche is not fucking around. No, Porsche Porsche's got it, and there's um, so there are are a few, but most don't, and the I, Chevy SS didn't. Is the F Type electric? Uh, if it is, it probably switched to it. I don't think it is because I haven't driven the new one, but the, the last F-Type I drove was... That car changed electric. a lot between year one and year two. Right. So. That, I mean, that car's rad as shit. But I gave back the Chevy SS. I would take a Dodge Charger over it all day long. Yeah. Uh, it's much more of a hooligan machine, the, especially the Shaker, Scat Pack, all that shit. Put your friends mm. in it. Nearly the same price. You could. You don't even have to turn traction control all the way off in the charger and just, you the just charger, sit there. I, the Hellcat charger is oh, the one of my favorite you, things I've driven in forever. You need to drive a lower horsepower one yeah. just to see how good that one is too. Like the 485 horsepower one. It's fucking awesome. Well, we talked and I think about it was 30 grand less. Last week or the week before, we were talking about they're going to do a Jeep Hellcat. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, and of course, Johnny the other day let the cat out of the bag that Caddy's going to do an Escalade V. So they're going to be back-to-back hmm. against each other now. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we'll see about Cadillac. Yeah. I, don't, I don't love the way that brand's being run. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, just the idea that you're going to have two SUVs that are making – I mean, the Caddy's going to be making, well, ostensibly at least 650 if they don't bump it up to match the Jeep. And the Jeep's going to be making 700. It's The new ridiculous. Escalade is pretty fucking awesome, though. It's really nice. Uh, but the, the Trackhawk – which is the, what the yeah. Cherokee is going to be called. Oh, okay. It's, fa- it's going to be faster than the Hellcats because all-wheel drive. Zero to 60 is going to be sub three yeah. seconds. That's insane. In a fucking Jeep Grand Cherokee. Yeah. And it's going to cost like seven grand, 70 grand, not seven grand. Um, 
So we have a good road of car stuff ahead of us. Uh, Tony, they, we're going to have to have you back on soon so we can dive into more shit. Yeah. But we're running Sounds out of great. time here. So I want you to, to tell everybody listening where they can find you on the various social medias. Okay, cool. Well, you can check out um, my show, Hot Rod Garage Show, Facebook, Hot Rod Garage Show. A little show with three and a half million subscribers. Yeah, there's you know, like a couple no people to watch it. Right. Um, Go watch the diesel truck swap. Yeah, that's, watch the, the Roll Smoky episodes. Yeah. Those are the ones I really liked. The first ones I had full control on. I'm I loved really your, proud of them. This is the ski jump version. Yeah. Bit. That was funny, I, man. Yeah, that was so you funny. can see me make up stuff when I don't know what's yeah. really <laughs> underneath the cars. Um, yeah, and you can find me on Instagram at Tangelo96. And you can check out hashtag Twitter. Roll Smoky. Uh, Twitter is Tangelo Drift. Okay. And you can see my Tony Angelo page on Facebook it is Tangelo Drift as well. Excellent. Chris, uh, Pimp Shout Engine. Please. All right. So, as usual, uh, if you guys have some grand idea for a uh, podcast or you just want to get drunk and say dumb shit on a microphone, Fun. go over to Shout Engine. Uh, we've got our free accounts that you guys can use. Um, and once you get nice and popular, then you can throw a few bucks at us and oh, we will take good care of you. I just remembered, I said, told people we're going to take Facebook questions and I already have them. So, let me pull them up and see if we got anything good in here. Okay. Uh, and of course, gonna you can find that at shoutengine.com. <laughs> Supposed to put the baby to bed soon. Um, let's see. All right. Let me just pull the – we'll rip through these questions. Sorry to cut off the shout No, that's pimpage. fine. Our listeners have heard this a hundred times. Um, also, just so I can get out of the way, uh, Instagram, Hooniverse Jeff, Twitter, Jay Glucker, and at the Hooniverse. There you go. Uh, all right. So let's start at the bottom here. Uh, Joshua Woodall, do you ever think about blocking off the streets of your hometown and drift them? Not really. Uh, I'd rather go to the racetrack. Uh, plus, Huntington Beach would be fucking terrible for drifting. Uh, except Main Street into PCH would be a good turn. Uh, um, you too? Well, I live right next to Palos Verdes where people already go drifting oh, yeah, every Wednesday and Thursday right. night. So. <laughs> yeah. I think that'd be pretty cool where I'm from. We have some like wild mountain road. Where I live is like... Uh, it's basically like an hour from the city, but it's almost farmland if you go just a little bit out and, there, and mountain Towards roads. like Pennsylvania Dutch country. Exactly. If you go north, it have gets you, uh, wild. Have you been down to Palos Verdes yet? I, no, I don't believe so. You've driven Malibu, right? Yes. It's like Malibu, only much, much wider and much faster. Oh, cool. So you could take a drift car and, you know, ostensibly have fun. Reverse entry on the street. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew Beher wants to know, and I'm sorry if I mutilated that last name. Tony, did you suggest the Dodge built for the show? What can we expect in upcoming episodes? We kind of answered that. What, the demon or the the truck? He said Dodge, so I'm assuming he truck because he might not have known about the demon. Okay. Yeah, the truck was absolutely my idea. I bought that truck from uh, Mark Lenardin, and I was like, I just want to do some diesel stuff. We've never done it. And so what you can expect is but just having fun, just like really – what I want to make out of the show is taking a car and doing absolutely whatever you want with it. I want to make that thing drive well, make a ton of power, and be fun and like a daily style. And that's what it is. It's, it's kind so of a rad. cool tribute to Mark, too. Yeah, Just yeah. make it a cool fucking truck. Um, all right. Uh, Andrew Cathcart. Thoughts on the Alpha Julia? Also, sticking with F- FCM, it's FCA. What Marchion sweater would you most wear? None of them. Uh, because we live in California. It's hot as fuck. But the Alpha Julia... Uh, that car, it's the new Alfa Romeo sedan. Oh, yeah. It's, it's supposed to be faster around the Nürburgring than the M4 by like 14 sec. Well, on the Nürburgring, that's not a ton, but 14 seconds. Yeah. The car looks rad as It's going to be... Uh, it makes it, That's going to be a good car. That is, you know, it's going to be interesting is that's probably going to be real close time-wise with the ATS. Um, but the only question being is it being an Alfa, how often is it going to be broken? doesn't matter. Even when it's broken, it looks good. It does. Um, that's right. Steven Bordelon, what do you think of a drifting event like Drag Week that's happening right now? 
Um, what do you mean, like where we would all go sort of cross country? I guess so. I don't know. I think that'd be really cool. I, we've talked about doing like a Drift Alliance or Hoonigan cross country tour they for a have long to be time. a major tire sponsor on Big, board. Yeah, oh, we need yeah. about 3,000 tires Brian and a, a, lot, a few semis and we'd be in business. I'd be totally into it. That would be pretty sweet. Uh, it's funny that he brings up the drag week because I forgot to bring this up on the podcast. I got in an argument with one of my editors on Facebook, which is a great place for arguments. Uh, the Unlimited Street Legal Class. I fucking hate. Uh, sorry to uh, talk hot rod negative. I think it's the biggest joke out there. It's like a six second Camaro that ran with the wheelie bars and the huge stuff. It's street legal because it's got to play. Like, well, yeah, because he's lying to his local DMV or like he it wasn't driven here on a trailer. No, it was driven like a quarter mile away. Then it was taken off the trailer and then it was driven in. I know they're supposed to do like a thousand miles for the cars. I, I hate that class so much. Sorry. All right, moving on to the next question. Uh, this is kind of a weird one. Mike Hoonigan Volkland. I have a YouTube TV series idea and would love to have Tony as a host, co-host. So you could potentially okay. be his co-host. And he's wondering what I'd have to do to talk with him about it. Also, does he know anyone in Colorado that can help me swap my timing change? This is where it gets kind of <laughs> sad. This is where it gets kind of sad. I'm homeless, living in my car, and can use some help getting it running. I have parts and tools but no money for someone else to do it and nowhere to safely work on myself. And it's a picture of like an old uh, – is that a super? I know this dude. He's written into TST before. Has he ever had his question read? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. So w- any advice for his timing change? Well, we're in Colorado. Good question. I know uh, some dudes in Denver. Tell them to email me at Tony at TangeloRacing.com. You just heard that. All right. Hey, there you go, man. Uh, all right. <laughs> Here's a good one. Sorry. Kurt Hilscher. I've never heard of this Tony guy before. Then I ha- saw him first on Roadkill. Just saw a Jalopnik art- article about him, and now Hooniverse. Dang, he seemed cool on the Roadkill episode. Okay, no question, but there you go. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Dustin Thanks. Bateman. And this guy must be British because um, the question is favorite with an OU, favorite Hoonigan T-shirt. Me? Yeah. Oh, the um, the Death Cheetahs shirts by far Love the are my favorite. Shirts. Yeah, I, saw, I saw pictures of the Death Cheetahs I like shirts one today. that I think is like you're in the photo for this shirt, but I like the shirt. I bought it at the thing. It's the black three-quarter sleeve with the white panel. Yeah, my second Love favorite shirt. shirt. Yeah, the raglan is super yeah. red. Um, so that's my favorite. And then Death Cheetahs, Tony, and I... I Support. We would swap shirts, exactly. All right. Uh, Stephen Borderline has another question. Also, do the jerks on YouTube comments piss you off, by the way, after the Dodge episode on Team Tony? Um, I mean, you know, we live in a reductive culture, dude. What are you going to do? <laughs> right. If you're, if you're you know, out there doing something in the public eye, people are going to hate on you. But people have really come around. You know, it's funny because you try not to let it make you feel bad, but when it's good, it makes you feel pretty good. But, no, it doesn't bother me too much. Good answer. I, yeah. I'd have to agree with that. I think I'm, we all- I'm one of the few who... We'll go in and talk to the shitheads who say shithead things because it's it's sometimes fun to engage them. But like, like uh, what's his name? Murtaugh would say, I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> um, I gave up on all those comments. I mean, I, I talk to people on Twitter and stuff because they're usually pretty cool. But I don't read YouTube's a different anymore. animal. Uh, yeah. With that said, Tony, thank you so much for joining us. We're yeah, absolutely. Definitely going to have you back. Great. I'm, I'm down anytime. Especially when the demon's running. Yeah. Um, all right. That's episode one. All right. See you next week. <laughs> see ya.